Welcome to Baseball America's College Podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball. I'm Teddy Cahill. Uh, We're coming to you here in the fall. We're going to try and uh, get the college podcast back on a little bit of a regular schedule here uh, in the fall as so we get go in with fall ball, and then before we know it, um, you know we'll be we'll be getting ready for for preview and, and the college season to come. So we're going to try and uh, have the podcast going throughout that, keep you going here uh, through the off season. And today we're going to start with an interview with Texas coach David Pierce. Uh, coach Pierce was our 2018 uh, Coach of the Year after Texas reached the College World Series, won the Big Twelve. Uh, all of it in uh, thrilling fashion, uh, an outstanding run through especially the second half of the season. They won the Big 12 on the last day of the regular season. Uh, their Super Regional against Tennessee Tech was, was very exciting, went the full three games and uh, ultimately landed the Longhorns back in Omaha for the first time in, uh, in, in four or five years. So great job uh, last year by the Longhorns and by Coach Pearson. So we're going to talk with him today a little bit about last season, uh, how that all came to, together, and they were able to, to put that run together. Uh, and then also last week over at BaseballAmerica.com and in the magazine, we released our recruiting rankings, and Texas ranked number eight. That was their first top 10 ranking uh, since 2012. So you know Texas got a lot of young, good incoming talent. Uh, so we'll, we'll hit on that with Coach Pierce. And then we'll look ahead a little bit to fall ball and, and see what the Longhorns uh, are looking forward to this fall and uh, you know how, how Coach Pierce is, is looking to handle that as a lot of the team returns on the position player side, but they're going to have a lot of new pitchers, especially from this recruiting class, uh, you know, taking new, new roles on the team. So we'll talk with him a little bit about that. So we're going to welcome in Coach Pierce here and uh, hear what he has to say. Well, welcome to the Baseball America podcast, Coach Pierce. Uh, thanks for joining me. We're, we're happy to have you on today. Teddy, I appreciate you having us, uh, having me. Um, it's been a, a very good start so far, but um, just excited to visit about Texas baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about last year. Obviously a very good year uh, for the team. Texas uh, won the Big 12. Got to host a, uh, a regional for the first time in a few years. And then, of course, you go through, win that regional, then beat Tennessee Tech in the Super Regional uh, to get back to, uh, to Omaha. And have you had much time to, to reflect on the success of last year? And, and what kind of memories do you have about uh, the team that, that are going to stay with you now? Well, first of all, it was awesome to be in those positions this, this past season because it's been a while for Texas. And to see the fan base and to see the state of Texas get excited about Texas baseball again was really fun. The thing I remember mostly about that team is how much I feel like we overachieved and the stories that we had. We had Parker Joe Robinson that comes out and pitches outstanding out of the bullpen uh, and hasn't really contributed for the last couple of years but became a guy for us. You had Andy McGuire and Josh Sawyer that have been out of been off the team the last couple of years that became contributors. And then you look at a guy like Jake McKenzie, who is the ultimate utility player that takes over a role at first base and uh, even labeled himself when he was hitting in the nine hole 
as the number, the third number three hole hitter, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and stuff like that throughout the year. We had a couple other guys that just had incredible seasons, especially Cody Clemens. And to watch Cody throughout the course of the season and the consistency that he showed was very, very impressive. And it's, it's a year that will, will go down in history at the University of Texas and college baseball. So there were so many great things, um, and we were, were able to reflect on those. Um, and then you look at, well, we had a very, very short summer, but that's for a good reason. Um, and then here we go, starting it all over again. But just a lot of interesting young men that played for us that, that really believed in team and did so many things that contributed to the success of the team. And I said it many times that I felt the strength of our team was the team itself um, because guys did a great job of doing their jobs. And uh, it was just fun to watch. You mentioned Cody Clemens. Of course, he had a, a phenomenal year, All-American year, um, Golden Spikes finalist. With, with you being in Houston for so long with Rice, I mean, did you know the Clemens family much uh, before you came to Texas? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we, Roger has Roger and Debbie have four boys, and we recruited their oldest when he was at um, Memorial High School uh, when I was at Rice, and then he opted to go into the draft. And uh, Roger played for Coach Graham, so he would come by – uh, the Rice campus, and, and we would visit a little bit, but really, really got to know the Clemens the last couple of years, and, um, you know, people continued to ask, how is it having Roger as a dad of one of your players and or two of your players, and I thought he did a tremendous job of staying out of our business, but being there to inject if we wanted it. Uh, he never did anything that we felt like was out of line. It was always, a hey, coach, if there's anything that I can do for you guys and the team, I'd be more than willing to, to pitch in. And so it was a great relationship. And I just think they did a hell of a job of raising Cody and, and, and uh, Casey because very, very competitive um, and really, really Texas Longhorn type of family. But those kids really exemplified being Texas Longhorns. Absolutely. At what point during the year did, did you realize that Cody was having like a special season? Probably at OU. And uh, we were we won game one. We were playing game two. We got behind three to nothing. We scratched back a run, and then Duke Ellis tied it up three to three with a, a double to left, scored two. So we're in a 3-3 game, and, and – Gosh, him and Zubia, uh, just, they did so many things great, but he had a home run off of the freshman Prather, the left-hander, that, you know, he goes 94 down and away, 94 down and away, bounces a curveball, and then just leaves the curveball up and hits it over the right field wall. And I'm like, that's not supposed to happen. And he saw the ball so well, he was in a position to drive the ball in the middle of the field consistently and just, you know, he he was just in a position to do that, but his ability and his confidence to finish it was just impressive. So I would say probably that weekend at OU, and it just never – he had one short lull throughout the entire year 
and uh, that was it. It was just a very consistent uh, season for for Cody. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the series you're mentioning there against Oklahoma was part of you know the kind of second half run this team went on. Um, you were just 500 going into conference play, and you talked about how there weren't that many expectations on this team. People didn't see it coming into the year maybe as an Omaha team. And, um, you know, you talked about it during the postseason, but I wondered if you could just kind of explain a little bit about how the team grew up in the second half and how you and, and your coaching staff kind of pulled that out of them uh, as the season went on. Yeah, that's uh, that was kind of the, the telltale, the turning point. We came out of the Arkansas two. Dave and I did a uh, – we'll complete the two-game series this year at our place. But, you know, we play a very difficult non-conference schedule. And so we played Stanford at home for four and then Arkansas on a two-game series in Fayetteville. And so you're playing six games, and it's not uncommon to play that type of, uh, of opponent, but both of them were top five, not top 25. They were okay. outstanding. And so we go one and we win the Thursday night game with our Tuesday starter uh, against Stanford, and then they beat us the next three. So we went on a plane to go to Fayetteville. It was cold, clear but cold. Um, we were ready to play. We we're excited about being there. Good crowd, and we just got our butts kicked. And we, I think, we gave up 27 runs in two games, and it it was very questionable if we were any good. It really was. We came out of that nine and nine in the season, and uh, I, I just recall the players had a players only meeting, um, and basically they just talked to each other about doing your job and, and just staying staying consistent of of not giving in to some failure, um, and really just getting into that grind and not giving in. And I thought the coaching staff, including myself in this case, we didn't panic. Um, we just knew that we played two really good teams and we had a tough stretch. And so we went into the KU series right after Augie had passed. And, wow, it just it became magical right away. We went Friday night. Um, we hadn't scored 16 runs or 16 hits in the entire season or the season before. And Augie wore number 16, and we had 16 hits. We won the game big. And it just started. Just, we end up Friday. We come back in Saturday. We play really well, and we sweep the series. And you can just see the players just take a breath in and just realize that, all right, we got a shot at this. We're 3-0 and in conference. And it wasn't anything extraordinary, though. We still felt like we had to piece together the pitching staff throughout the, se- throughout the season. Um, but just little things of taking care of your jobs, advancing a runner, getting a runner in from third base, uh, and still never winning big, just finding ways to win. And I thought that was just such a tribute to the mentality of our team. So, yeah, that was kind of the turning point and. You know, the kids just continue to play with a, a very consistent approach. You mentioned there, uh, you know, Augie's passing, and uh, obviously that was a very emotional time, especially for the players, a lot of whom had been recruited by Augie. Um, and then in Omaha, you wore his number 16. Uh, just what did that mean to you to, to do that and, and to, you know, have that opportunity? 
Well, Augie has been so much to college baseball and started on the West Coast and, and you know, in his playing days, but he's just been an incredible ambassador for college baseball of doing things in a team orientation and and doing the little things and the disciplined things that takes that it takes to win against good opponents. And so when we when his passing took place, um, you know, it was, it was emotional and it was emotional in Austin because he had spent 20 years here. It was emotional at the University of Texas and of course with our program. Um, but we had a handful of guys that played for him, a handful of guys that had been recruited by him. But we just embraced his his piece of Texas baseball and. One thing we have to do around here as well is you have to embrace the expectations of what happens at the University of Texas. You can't run from it. And we did the same thing with Augie. But the interesting piece was we were far from an Omaha team. We were playing in the in the conference tournament. And our uh, equipment manager, Vince Alcazar, he and I were sitting in the clubhouse and we were flipping through a program and Augie was wearing number two. And I said, Vince, why, why does Augie have number two here? And this is a program that um, the, the conference tournament was honoring honoring coach in. And he goes, well, he wore that one year when uh, Woody Woodman passed away. And Woody Woodman, uh, our locker room is named after. And Augie wore that number two in, in Omaha. And I thought, wow, that's pretty interesting. I said, Vinny, if we go to Omaha, I want to wear number 16. What do you think? And he teared up, and he said, that's incredible. And he, he says, I, I hope that happens. I said, well, can you get it done? He goes, yeah, I'll start working on it right now. And trust me, we were all in one in the tournament at the time. <laughs> we weren't even sure we were getting in a regional. Um, and my goodness, we, you know, we had this opportunity, and when we clinched the Super Regional, he walked in my office with my four jerseys with number 16, and we both just kind of teared up like, wow, this is meant to be. And that's kind of how that feeling, um, how it all kind of laid out, I guess. But just a really special time for uh, our team, and it was an honor for me to be able to do that. You uh, you spent almost your entire coaching career in Texas, so you ran across, played against Augie, coached against Augie a lot. Um, what, what's your best favorite Augie story? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, there's many. Uh, I also had a chance to spend a couple of December's with, with Augie and about four other coaches in Singapore and just sitting under a tent and talking to the winningest coach in baseball and he's actually listening to you. And he had such a way of making you feel so important and making you feel like, you know, your your information mattered. And he was a great listener. But I guess it was pretty interesting when we were playing. I was at Sam Houston State, and we were 2-0 and in the Minute Maid Classic and um, walked up to home plate at the home plate uh, – the, umpires meeting and I think they were one and one and and uh, we had played really well so we were feeling great about ourselves and 
when I walked up to home plate and I shook his hand, he goes, you look cute. I'm like, <laughs> what, what does that mean? <laughs> I didn't really know how to take it, but it's just kind of how like his way of saying, you know what? We're getting ready to kick your ass. <laughs> um, and we went two and one. They beat us three to two, and we didn't play well. But it was just interesting. But there's many stories. Just you know, he had such a way of. Uh, I, I know he wasn't ready to to end his career, um, but I do know that he was about as gracious as you could be in accepting me here. And we got very close in a short amount of time. Uh, and he, he was able to just share with me the ins and outs of, of little things, but little things at the University of Texas that are different than most places. Yeah, it's absolutely a, a special, special place. And, um, you know, there's no easy transition from that to, uh, to, to this year. But, I mean, when we, uh, we look at your recruiting class, which uh, last week, uh, we, we ranked number eighth in the country. Uh, it's the first top 10 class for Texas in several years. Um, you know, just w- this is a good large group of, of incoming players. I mean, w- when you look at them, I mean, w- what excites you about uh, the future of Texas baseball? Well, your recruiting always goes in cycles of the needs of your team. And the two things I always look at when we talk about recruiting is, the number one thing is what's the need of the team. The number two thing is what's the availability of scholarship and what can you offer a player. So those two things are the most important thing. We returned seven of our nine starters with our number two catcher also returning. Uh, we lose Cody and we lose our first baseman, Jake McKenzie. Uh, all others return. So this cycle is very pitching heavy. Uh, so the thing that stands out first is that we feel like we – recruited very good arms. Um, They're going to have to fast forward because by February we can't afford them to act like freshmen uh, because they are talented, but at the same time, they have to have the confidence of pitching to a 21-year-old that, you know, can really play at the level that we play and trust themselves to do the same thing they would do if they were pitching in high school because it's very relevant. Relevant. A good pitch is a good pitch, and that's what they need to understand. So this recruiting class is very uh, heavy on the pitching side. But I thought Coach Allen and Coach Miller and Coach Allen does just an incredible job of being our recruiting coordinator. And that's a a very difficult and important role in college baseball right now because the way things have turned of the early signings or the early commits and – we still need to make a change in our industry. We're, we're committing 14-year-olds, and I think that's a mistake. And it's our intent to not get to a point where we stockpile on those young kids and then sit on them and then decide whether or not they're good enough or if they've improved enough. But it's difficult because you're always looking for the needs of your team, and when you're recruiting three classes out now, it's very difficult to do. So we've made a pretty solid commitment to be patient. So I think Coach Allen has a juggling act to do with that when you're dealing with the immediate needs and then the future and how the draft affects us, which when you're in a a program like Texas, you're constantly going to deal with the draft on the front end uh, as well as, you know, sophomore eligibles and juniors. So 
this class, uh, very pitching heavy, but we inserted a couple of really good middle infielders. Uh, we inserted a couple of really good left-handed hitting outfielders um, uh, that can really run and, and, and be explosive um, and, and be everyday players. Whether or not they will play every day is going to be up to them and, and if they're able to beat out some of the returnees. But it's a little bit smaller in our position players, much larger in our pitching just because of our cycle. Your whole staff has been together uh, with you for, for several years now, dating back to your time at Sam Houston. Um, I mean, when what, what differences are there recruiting to Texas, if any, uh, versus what you did at Tulane and at Sam? Well, just to touch on our staff, first of all, it's been a just a wonderful, wonderful setup, and I think they would agree with that because there's been such a trust factor and a respect factor in our in our program, and it's been we've never been at one place very long, and so it's having the ability to move to another place to not miss a beat, to not worry about if we're communicating to players um, in the same direction that I communicated in the previous year, are we doing the things consistently and how we approach our, our, our players? We do because we kind of know what, what they really know what I want. And it's a consistent dialogue between them and I, and it's an open dialogue to understand how can we maximize these guys? Um, the difference, I think, is what you really have to pay attention to is when we were at Sam Houston State early on, you could really get some quality walk-on JC kids that you could just go, uh, we can take five of those guys, and if two of them pan out, great. Uh, when you get and if and if you end up grabbing a, a JC arm or you know stockpiling a couple of infielders because you have that ability. It's a cheap school as far as uh, cost. Um, and it was in a great location and a great program. And Matt's done a great job of continuing it. But when we went to Tulane, now you're dealing with a little bit more dynamics of what I dealt with at Rice, where you've got to get into the Metroplex, the Houston areas, the the Orlando's, the Northeast, where you're in bigger cities, because a lot of your small-town Louisiana kids couldn't afford Tulane. And it's a private school, so there are certain types of kids that are predisposed to go to a private school, an academic private school. And then you look at the cost factor. So all of those pieces play a part. When you come to Texas, now you're back to, it's a state school, so tuition is very affordable. And... and our state is so large that we can do a lot of in-state. So we really isolate. We're going to do most of our recruiting in-state, and then we'll go out of state for a specific need, uh, maybe a catcher, maybe a left-handed hitter, maybe a shortstop or a big arm. But otherwise, we're going to stay in the state. But uh, it, it's to me, it's refreshing to recruit here because it's such a brand, and it's so easy for me to sell that it just it, it's very refreshing. Absolutely. It got that wonderful ballpark, all those fans. I'm, I'm sure that uh, plays and recruits minds pretty well. 
I guess now we're about a, a week out from fall ball for you guys, really starting. Um, you know, what, what are you looking forward to this fall? What are, you, what are you hoping to see out of your guys? Well, we have to have our young arms mature and, and build the confidence that they can beat college hitters. And we need our returners, which we've already noticed. Um, we need them to be really committed of, of getting better every day. Just, just If it's just 1% of how can you improve your game. Uh, the one thing that I really believe is that when you go to Omaha, you understand what you're playing for. And there's so many teams that start the season talking about Omaha, but until you've experienced that, you really don't know what you're playing for. And when we went last year, myself, uh, Drew Bishop, our baseball ops division, Josh Sawyer, uh, a fifth-year senior pitcher, were the only three people in our entire organization, in the entire organization that's ever competed in Omaha. And this year we returned 19 of those players, a full coaching staff, uh, and so the expectation from the actual players that understand how much fun that is and what it takes to get there is now already being passed on to young players. And so we need that consistent approach of understanding what it takes to be good. And then you've got to have a little luck. You've got to stay healthy. Um, and you just got to be good at the end of the year. And I thought that was our difference is that, at the end of the year, we played with such freedom, and uh, we played the game with uh, excitement and passion and basically did our job. But I'd just like to see us just get a little bit better with our older players and really bring along these young arms and young players. The NCAA this year allow, it changed the rule to allow you to play two games against outside competition. You're going to play a couple really good junior college teams this fall, McLennan and Sanjack. Just what was your philosophy on, on putting those games together and, and choosing those schools? If we were going to play a team within a proximity, proximity that made sense, like uh, Texas State or one of the San Antonio schools, they're already on our schedule. Um, the, the piece for us is we do not get an opportunity to see the, see the junior college players enough. And so it gives us a chance to compete against two really quality teams that have very good arms, um, that tend to get a lot of bounce back kids. So it's going to be very competitive, but to also expose the university of Texas to those two programs. And so it allows us to not only compete and see our players do with outside competition, but to also have an opportunity to see some junior college kids that we might not get an opportunity to see. So that's the reasoning there. And I definitely like playing the outside competition. Yeah, that's going to be a fun wrinkle uh, this fall to see uh, everyone be able to, to play. Someone wearing another color jersey, I mean, just that, that alone seems like a, a big upgrade in the fall experience for everyone. It's amazing how different your players are. I mean, we had a couple of players last fall that just tore it up. And then we played another opponent. We played McLennan last year, and it was just, they were different. And the other piece of that is the NCAA has allowed those games not to count against your eligibility. Uh, in other words, if you play in those games 
and then it becomes a, a potential red shirt player, those fall games will not count against the red shirt. So it allows us to see them against outside competition, but it still gives us the freedom that maybe this player becomes a, a red shirt and we don't have to worry about that piece. Well, I'll get you out of here on this last question, uh, Coach Pierce. I mean, just there's a lot of really good food in Austin. I know Augie, uh, of course, had his uh, restaurant kind of show. Um, what, what do you like about living in Austin uh, the, the most? Well, first of all, it's home. I love being in Texas. Um, it's a vibrant city. Um, the music industry is awesome from, you know, what a lot of the college kids like to Texas country to uh, just just the culture of music being a piece of it. Um, and yeah, I spent two years in New Orleans and they had some unbelievable food, but it was the place that I like to go visit to eat that type of food. Here is, I mean, I could eat barbecue every day, to be honest with you. And uh, there's nothing better than a good steak from Texas either. So um, really, I can just say that, that there's a variety of choices and we experience those frequently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, when I was down at the Super Regional, I know I told you this, uh, that I just ate entirely too well. I don't see how you guys live there and uh, still manage to stay in shape. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Well, come see me again, and I'll take you to lunch or dinner. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Coach Pierce, for, for spending some time here on the Baseball America College podcast. Appreciate it, Teddy. Thank you again to, to Coach Pierce for joining us here today on the Baseball America podcast. Uh, again, like I mentioned uh, at the top of the show, we're going to try and keep this going here on uh, something of a weekly basis uh, throughout the fall and, and into the winter as we get ready for, for next season, the 2019 season. Um, I can't promise you every week, but I think we can do this uh, most weeks. Uh, there's there's a lot going on here, uh, you know. Like we mentioned, the, the NCAA now allowing teams to play two uh, games that don't count against the the 56 game max, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see how how programs do when they're they're facing each other, and just how everyone organizes that and and goes through that. And hopefully, we'll, get, we'll be able to talk to some players here and, and and to some coaches and and maybe some alumni as well. I know I always enjoy doing that. So. That's what we have to look forward to here on the Baseball America College podcast uh, this fall and into the winter. So, uh, you know, please continue to, to check us out here to uh, rate, review, subscribe, all, all of that great stuff. And, and to go over to BaseballAmerica.com. Right now we have a lot of recruiting content up. Uh, there's the top 25 classes, the next 10 classes. There's more to come. Uh, and we'll have great stuff uh, throughout the fall. And, of course, here at Baseball America, it's also getting ready. We're getting into prospect season, as we call it here, when uh, all we, we rank the top 20 prospects in every minor league. Uh, and before you know it, we'll be ranking the top prospects for all 30 teams at, in building our prospect handbook, uh, which you can probably pre-order. I'm pretty sure you can pre-order that on the website right now, baseballamerica.com. So go there, check all of that out, and uh, you know we'll, uh, we'll be back here next week with a, a new college podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.